Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact. Well, 2024 is going to be democracy's biggest year ever in a remarkable milestone in human history. Over 4 billion people, that's more than half of the world's population across more than 40 countries, are going to the polls. We're going to see national elections held, obviously, as we know, in the US. We've got India, Indonesia, Russia, the UK, Pakistan, Bangladesh. South Africa, and that's just to name a few. Now, the big question for business locally this year is obviously what our election will mean for the economy, as uh, many polls are indicating the potential for the ANC to slip below a 50% majority come May. Well, it's a great pleasure to be joined now by uh, Alex Forbes, uh, newly appointed chief economist, Mpoh Molopiane. Uh, Mpoh, firstly, congrats on the appointment. Uh, You bring a, a wealth of experience and expertise acquired through an extensive career in both finance and the public sector. So for those that uh, don't know, you tell us a little bit more about your journey so far in economics. Thanks, uh, Michael, and thanks for having me on the show. My journey in economics um, well, actually started at varsity, I must say. So I went to University of Pretoria and had initially uh, signed up for mathematical statistics. I walked into an economic class for the very first time because I didn't do economics at uh, high school and I I just fell in love. I just fell in love and um, in my second year of studies, I then switched to become economics um, and, you know, it, it's just been something that I've enjoyed uh, doing. Then went to complete a master's in econometrics at the University of Pretoria also had a chance to study abroad uh, first through an exchange program in my honours year. And in the middle of my master's degree at University of Pretoria, I also did another second degree at Fordham University in New York. And uh, once I was done with my studies, I then went to go work. I started my journey, uh, my working career with an internship at Standard Bank New York, uh, which was part of my study program. Um, and then I came to the National Treasury and I was there for about four years. Um, and the focus there really was on the policy landscape, a lot of focus on the South African economy. Mm. I then moved on to RMB, where I was a lead economist um, covering the SA market, stayed there for about four years uh, before moving to APSA where I covered the broader SSA region. Um, And my time there was short-lived as the chief economist uh, opportunity, Alexander Forbes, presented itself, uh, which I grabbed with both hands, um, just given where I was in my career. It was the next logical move. Um, Yeah, and, you know, joined Alexander Forbes last year, December, and uh, yeah, it's been an awesome journey so far. Yeah. And uh, I mean, th- through that uh, journey, one can hear uh, that there's obviously this deep underlying love for the science of economics, which Adam Smith, what did he def- define that as the science of wealth? But it's so much more than that. It's about um, how we deal with production and distribution and consumption, all those things that make modern economies tick. And it's so important in contemporary South Africa uh, and the debates that we're currently having around how to ensure that 
uh, more South Africans can enjoy the benefits of a growing, thriving economy and how do we get there? And, and let's dive into your, your outlook for this year because you, you've expressed some cautious optimism for 2024. And uh, obviously last year it was all about the Fed hiking interest rates at the fastest pace that we'd seen in four decades and trying to rein in, in inflation. Uh, what specific indicators or factors lead you to believe that central banks can now bring inflation back to, to target without crashing the global economy? So we are cautiously optimistic about 2024. Um, one, because there remains uncertainty with regards to the lagged impact of the aggressive tightening cycle we saw 2023 uh, we were surprised on the outside with on on the upside on the growth front uh, economic activity proved to be quite resilient despite the aggressive tightening that we saw and in part that was um, helped by fiscal expansion in the US in particular um, as well as households tapping into the covid savings so economic activity did surprise us um, on the upside uh, last year. And with inflation now edging back closer to target, we saw um, you know, significant deceleration in inflation in 2023. And um, over the long term, we're now seeing inflation reverting back to target. But, you know, what's important to... Also, keep in mind is that what we're saying is that we see inflation reverting back to targets, um, you know, over the next three years, but we don't see it going back to the low pre-COVID averages that we saw. So, you know, inflation is likely to 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 remain slightly higher than what we saw pre-COVID, but the good news is that it does um, revert back to target. And, um, you know, the reason we are also you know, uh, slightly optimistic about a soft landing um, is that we're expecting uh, interest rates to be cut in the second half of the year. So we do think that will provide um, some support to economic activity. And our the reason why we're expecting interest rates to be cut in the second half of, of the year is because interest rates, real rates um, at the moment, are quite restrictive and are going to to be even more restrictive as inflation continues to mm. trend lower. So we do think that central bank will at least be able to to start normalizing policy rates, which will be supportive to growth. As we know, uh, the Reserve Bank is announcing its first decision of the year tomorrow and consensus does seem to be even after the inflation number came out today at slightly lower than anticipated at 5.1 percent that this arb will sit on its hands for this meeting the interesting thing around the reserve bank at the moment and poor is the fact that we've only got four members of the mpc given kibin naidu uh, stood down somewhat surprisingly towards the back end of last year and there hasn't been a replacement yet we know the governor lesetia kanyaga very highly respected uh, and regarded is something of a hawk how do you see this impacting the way we approach our interest rate cutting cycle if things do go according to plan and we do see inflation uh, start to trend down? Uh, do you think the Reserve Bank is slightly too hawkish given the current configuration of four with the, the Saab governor having the veto? 
Mm, yeah, I mean, I think the sub is likely to remain hawkish, um, in part due to the upside risks to inflation. So while we are expecting inflation to uh, continue trending lower and edging close to the central bank 4.5% um, midpoint, you know, there are significant upside risk. Um, one, the um, insecurities that's currently playing out in the Red Sea, you know, that poses a risk um, with regards to supply chains. Um, shipping costs are likely to increase. Um, you know, if we were to see that extend for a prolonged period, um, that could add some upside pressures to inflation. And prolonged insecurity in the Red Sea also raises the risk of a wider Middle East war. Um, and if we were to see a wider Middle East war, that would lead to a resurgence in commodity prices, particularly oil, which immediately feeds into fuel prices. So that would definitely throw a spin in the works. And, you know, just given these uncertainties, we do expect that the Saab will maintain quite a hawkish tone. And it's not only the the, the, the Saab that's maintaining a hawkish tone. We've seen the hawkish tone also from um, the Fed, um, as well as from the ECB. And um, the IMF has also just warned central bankers to not declare a premature victory against the uh, fight um, uh, mm you know, I guess the, the inflation fight, um, given that, you know, there's up, upward risk. But we do think that if things uh, plan out um, and this upward risk um, subside, in the second half of the year, we are expecting that central banks and our sub will be able to start um, cutting interest rates. And then we've also got the election, as I mentioned in my introduction, which is something of a wild card in the pack and does make it very difficult to forecast. What is your base case scenario for uh, the 2024 uh, election, given that we do have uh, some of the, the polls indicating it's going to be a very tight run thing for the ANC, potentially falling below that uh, key 50% mark, and then having to look to form coalitions. And I think there's a lot of speculation as to whether or not it would form a coalition with the EFF or the DA. What do the various scenarios mean for business and investors this year? Mm, yeah. I mean, for, so from our side, we're expecting more of the status quo to continue. So, you know, even if we were to see um, ANC dip below um, it dip uh, below 50% between 45 and 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 50%. We think that they'll go into a collision with smaller parties, you know, which makes running of the country slightly easier. You know, they not a lot of concessions that they would have to make. Um, you know, they can sort of arm wrestle the smaller parties. So in in that scenario, we do think that the status quo continues. Um. And then there's a lot of speculation around, as, as you said, you know, if ANC dips below 45, what does that mean? Will they go into a collision with the DA or will it be the EFF? And, um, you know, based on which collision partner um, they choose, um, the market, you know, is currently uh, positioning for ANC-DA coalition, which they think would, be would, would lead to market-friendly policies. And the concern with the ANC and EFF coalition is that it could inc it, it could lead to increased um, social spending, which in by itself is not necessarily a negative thing. 
if the fiscal stance is preserved, so if you know national treasury delivers on um, current deficit and debt to GDP ratios that they presented at the October budget. But if you were to see fiscal expansion, um, which would need to be financed by higher debt, that would certainly um, raise uh, South Africa's risk premium um, and would be regarded you know, quite negatively by the market. So from our side, we we expecting more of a status quo. Um, you know, and then the other thing also to, to consider about the elections, we've seen that you know, coalitions have not really worked out at a municipal level. And, you know, South Africans, you know, could decide that, you know what, better the devil you know. Um, And you could see the ANC still um, enjoy, um, you know, over 51% majority. In which case, then it is, uh, again, more of the same status quo. Again, I do see that as market-friendly given the balance of forces inside the ANC still tilted towards uh, the president and his slow burn reform faction. Now, and Paul, very, very interesting from an investor perspective, given that with all of this uncertainty, investors are often looking for guidance on the timing of investments. What advice do you have for those looking to make strategic investment decisions in the coming months? Yeah, so... Um, on that, um, you know, there's there's a study that uh, we've been following, and it it shows that you know passive investments tend to outperform active investments, um, particularly over the long run. Um, you know, you always see see growth, uh, particularly because passives tend to track indices, um, which tend to outperform um, active management. Um, with active management. Um, you know, the issues that you're speculating around, the peaks and the dips. And with 2024 um, promising to be yet another year of uncertainty and volatility given the election-packed calendar, um, certainly going passive um, makes sense. Uh, The bottom line is that, you know, you need to stay invested um, over the long run and a well-diversified portfolio also remains key. And Paul, very interesting sharing your insights. We're going to have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Don't go anywhere, though. Coming up after the break, we've got uh, opportunities elsewhere in alternative investments with uh, Lebel Tobisi, who is Deputy Chief Investment Officer at Alex Forbes, the country's largest multi-manager here on Classic Business. Classic Business with Michael Avery, sponsored by Alex Forbes, for insight, advice and impact.